While we've got a quick break in the action here, I want to talk about Skillshare for a minute. Yeah, you know, some of you might be saying it's a cliched YouTuber starter pack sponsorship, but let me assure you, I've learned so much from Skillshare. When I started Baz Reviews, I didn't have any knowledge on how to make a podcast, hell, even to grow it to where it is now. With Skillshare, I was able to understand how I can make a better website, how I can record my podcast and make it more high quality. And if you're interested in learning something, do it with Skillshare. Use the link in the show notes that is down below, and you will get two months free to over 23,000 classes that Skillshare has to offer. Whether it's cooking classes, drawing classes, whatever you want it to be, Skillshare has the answer. Five million people have trusted Skillshare as their way of learning amazing new things, growing their minds. Famous inventor Thomas Edison once said, if we did all the things we were capable of doing, we would astound ourselves. I hope that you are able to find the same joy from Skillshare that I have. Thank you guys again for listening, and welcome aboard. Hey, I'm Rob from Boyo, and you're listening to the Baz Reviews BazCast. Hey everybody, how are you all doing? It's Baz here once again, live here with the eighth episode of the Baz Reviews BazCast. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, one that I have interviewed before. His name is Robert Tilden. He is the brainchild behind the LA Bedroom Pop moniker slash live group Boyo, and he is on the other line right now. How are you right now, man? What is going on? Welcome aboard. How's it going, man? Pretty cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well myself. I mean, thanks again. Appreciate you making time for an interview. I know you've been busy, but, you know, it means a lot. Glad to have you back here. Yeah, man, no problem. Yeah. Um, so you recently uh, finished up a tour with Vansire over the, the summer. It was a West Coast tour. How did that go? It was great. They're, Vansire is a wonderful, just like a wonderful group of people and and a great, great band. It's it's always great when you're touring with a band that you love to watch their set every night, and and also just love to hang. You know, it's just it makes it makes touring all the you know all all the easier and and more enjoyable. So yeah, it was it was it was very 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 lovely, and they're all just sweet people. And yeah, I I, I was a big fan of their recordings. We had played a couple shows with them, like I think last year. Uh, just like like a limited like mini tour, and so we we share the same booking agent. So our booking agent was kind of like, "Yo, you know, they want you to support," and it was kind of a no brainer. I was like, "Yeah, let's do it, hundred percent." So, yeah. Cool, definitely. Um, yeah, but you were you were mentioning you know you guys have the same booking agent and stuff. Um, because I know you're based out of LA, they're based out of like the Midwest here in Minnesota. But um, you know, how did you guys first come into um to contact? Um, through our booking agent, he, he, uh, Patrick, he's a very industrious, uh, you know, guy. He kind of, he kind of listens to bands from across the, not even the country, kind of across the globe and kind of just talks to different people. You know, he just, <clears throat> he just, uh, actually I met, I met Polo, this guy who makes music as Mellow Fellow on tour because he, he features on one of, uh, Van Sire's tracks and, he now he's from I believe the Philippines and uh, he, Patrick now books him so yeah Patrick just books people from all over he books Van Hala who I toured with and 
So that's how I kind of get to meet these people from, you know, Minnesota, Detroit, the Philippines, you know, all over. It's just through kind of mutual bookings. And then we end up just bonding really hard and playing shows and going to weird towns and staying in dingy motels and having fun nights together. And then ultimately, you know, we're, we're pals, you know, so. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It's like, you know, while you might not necessarily like kind of know somebody that well going into the tour, it's like, you know, as you've mentioned, you've had a lot of fun with the people you've been touring with. And, you know, you kind of come out of it not only as better friends, but as bandmates as well. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you know, you also like, it's a lot of touring. It's very weird. You know, you, you play a lot, you know, you'll play one night, you'll play a, a huge kind of golden voice venue where they'll, where they'll feed you and they'll, you know, you have like a monitor mix and a in a there's like a huge stage and it's it's crazy and then the next night you'll play a DIY venue where there's no sound person barely you know and you're and you're kind of mixing yourself and so you got you know you're you're kind of you know you're experiencing these these really interesting you know cities and towns and different groups of people and different uh, show environments together so at the end of tour you know you have no one else to really share those experiences with but those other bands so you're kind of like kind of trial by fire bonding you know yeah absolutely and um you just mentioned a second ago you were talking about Hala. you've done a tour with him you've done a tour with girlpool and you've done another tour and a couple of stints with surf curse but you know which has been like your favorite tour to do over the years i don't know it's all really different i mean with girlpool and with uh hot flash heat wave were they were they were very similar tours just because i was kind of like I was kind of like almost like the 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 baby, like the son on tour, because I was riding in the back seat. I was kind of like carpooling with them, and I was doing solo sets. With the girlpool, the girlpool shows were at the very beginning of when I was writing songs as Boyo. I kind of just dropped out of uh, college, and Cleo and Harmony are really good friends of mine. They're both like, you know, let's let's get you on the road. And so I just grabbed a guitar and I just was playing guitar kind of emo sets. And then, you know, cut to a couple of years later now, Hot Flash Heat Wave hits me up and they're, they, they're pals of mine. And they said, you know, come on the road with us and you can ride with us and ride in our van. And I was, you know, very enticed and it sounded fun. And instead of a guitar, I brought a sampler. So I, I did kind of like more of like a hip hop style sing along to the backing tracks. And so... Yeah, those are fun tours, but it's hard to choose because they're all so different and they're all, they're all, everybody has different personalities and different, you know, every show, you know, you play these, yeah, every show is so vastly different, you know, even if you play the same venue a million times, it'll have a different vibe, you know, um, so yeah, it's hard, it's hard to answer that. Yeah, that's fair. I guess going off of that hot flash heat wave comment there. Um, for any of you guys who listened to my last podcast, um, Ted, the lead, uh, lead singer, bassist, you know, kind of all that hybrid, because they're, it's only two, it's only Ted and Adam, and then, like, they have a few guys that go on tour with them, right? It's Ted, Adam, and Nick. Nick was, That's right. Nick was, he was, he was kind of gone for a little while, because uh, he had, he was working for, like, Tesla, and he had, he had, I think, some, some, uh, like, just medical, some life stuff, and, like, but then he then but he's a he's like a sturdy writing member. He's written a lot of their kind of hits too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but he described Boyo and kind of, you know, your overall thing. He, he described as like the one band is like he would want to live with. Cause I asked him like, if you could live with one band that was living or dead, who would it be? But how would you respond to that comment? I mean, would you say that your relationship with them is like really that strong? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, we went to the, uh, you know, the other day, <coughs> they, excuse me, they dropped, they dropped by into town and just randomly, they were just like, yo, we're in town, we're at the beach by your house. And I came by and we all hung out. It's just, yeah, it's really natural. It's just really, it's not like, you know, we, we can just talk about, we can talk about um, recording and life and how weird it is that, tour, you know, the, the, the live that we, you know, the lives that we chose, you know, touring isn't isn't a very normal. You know, I, can't, I keep going back to it, but it's very abnormal to right. Or and you know, they they do it. They're road dogs. Those guys are, you know, they're hardcore touring all the time. You know, I don't know a harder working band. I don't think. Um, so yeah, I think our our bond goes pretty deep because also the tour that we did was just like. I was with them constantly. You know, we we were crashing on floors together everywhere. We sl we slept every you know every every post show hang was together. You know, our green rooms were shared. Uh, I was in the van with them. You know, we were like sleeping on each other's shoulders. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, I would definitely live with those guys because we also just you know temperament wise, morally, we're just on we're just very very much on the same page. Uh, especially like they're. They have this this uh, their live keyboard player uh, Jared is the is the funniest the funniest sweetest most uh, I don't know just the most quirky person so yeah I would I would love to <laughs> bunk with those guys anytime. Cool, that's awesome, man. But yeah, I mean, it seems like you have like a really like close relationship with like so many different bands. I mean, like I, I understand that your relationship with uh, Girl Pools we were mentioning earlier is very strong. You released a few singles with. Um, Harmony last year, um, and you also put out a um, a split ten inch with um, another Danger Collective member, uh, Nick Radigan, who is in Current Joys and Surf Curse, um, which is also right. a band you toured with. It's like everything kind of just connects in a sense. But um, how did you guys like almost like first become friends? I mean, with both Harmony and Girlpool and Nick from both Current Joys and Surf Curse, and like when did you like want to collaborate? Well, I mean, with the Girlpool thing, it's way more natural. Like I, I went to high school with Cleo. Um, and he was in, uh, like my early, like we were in, we were, I probably, he was probably the first person I ever wrote songs with, um, in high school, like early, early ninth, 10th grade. And then, and then I would also sub in on drums and harmonies, um, band in high school. So it was like this little scene that we had in high school. And then. Nick and Jacob were like these kind of novelty. They're, you know, they're these really great. They're these, this, these, you know, surf curses, this band we would open for. They would come. And the only reason I mean say novelty is they would come from Reno and they would just come and sell out every DIY venue and we would open for them. And it was, it was novel because it was just like, holy crap, these, they're insane. They're amazing. They're so good. Yeah. And they're from Reno and they're kind of wide eyed and they're, they're just as, they're just as kind of starstruck as we all were. And then that's kind of how it all happened and everybody bonded through that. And they kind of, we were on a, on a previous label that kind of, the, kind of, the guy kind of schemed us and, and, and kind of left LA 
And so then danger kind of was born out of just like friends being like, let's not trust anybody but our friends, you know what I mean? So it was a, uh, it was very natural, very organic. And then, you know, Nick and Jacob gradually moved here. Cleo and Harmony, when I was going through a rough patch in college, just decided to take me on tour. And then Nick and Jacob did the same and, and let me play in Surf Curse and Current Joys. And I was kind of down on my luck. So yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of just friends picking up friends, letting up friends play in each other's bands, letting friends kind of you know help each other, and and it's you know it's an incestual pool of just like loving musicians, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's definitely a great thing that you know a lot of bands should have. Kind of like it's kind of like the Beatles song, you know, with a little bit of help of my from my friends, you know. That oh yeah, oh yeah. Like, just just keep everyone close. Um, but you, I think you mentioned earlier, you said that Cleo was in Bobby T and the Slackers with you, right? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Back in the day. Um, one of your, like, first big gigs was with Bobby T and the Slackers. It was at Van's Warped Tour, right? So, I mean, what was that experience like? Oh, Van, oh, we never did the Warped Tour. Oh, you didn't? No, 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 no. Um, I think we got, it might, that might have been, I don't know where that, why that got, is that, if that's out there. We had we had a couple of big slots playing for like we played a couple of really crazy like we would play like like uh, Lacma and Mocha team nights and like crazy stuff but no that that might have been you know what that might have been is uh, the the Slackers uh, were a ska band uh, from the nineties and they got really mad at us for. Because we were Bobby T and the Slackers. And so that might have been them that, that played the Warp Tour. And it might have gotten listed as us or something. Oh, okay. That's my bad. Um, I, I, oh, no, I, was, I, yeah. I would have, that would have been hilarious. I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just was doing some research and I found out. But um, I guess I was wrong. My mistake. No worries. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, your old buddy, Magnon Noble. I mean, what, what is the significance behind that? Or who is that? I'm not really 100% sure. Magnan Noble. Well, that was a character. <clears throat> um, and the tour with Hala, we basically decided to um, we had we have a group chat with our with our with our uh, booking agent Patrick, and it was a sl- it was a different lineup of Boyo at the time. They're all still my like best friends, but they're just all doing different stuff now. They're all like in different bands, but at that time we were it was this specific lineup of Boyo, we were all very prankster goofballs and, uh, and Hala. And we were, we realized that in the group chat, Patrick didn't have our drummer Gabe's number. And so he was like, uh, so and Gabe, Gabe is the biggest prankster of all. And so Gabe was kind of like, Gabe texted him separately and was, and Patrick said, who's this? And so we kind of created this character, Magnan Noble, to kind of mess with Patrick. And we, we, we pretended that he had met this guy on tour, and we made up this whole backstory, and we started to creep Patrick out and, like, send him Photoshopped pictures of himself. Uh, uh, and we made this email, and we're starting to send him, like, these weird kind of esoteric booking inquiries from Magnan. And we made it so, because Patrick is from Florida, and we were about to, we were about to play some Florida dates and so we made it so that Magnin was from Florida, and he, like we made this like Facebook profile where he was this really really buff like oiled up dude, and I friended like everybody that was going to the Shakira concert in Florida, 
And so, so we tried to make him look like this really real kind of creepy, not not chill dude. And then, but then the holla dudes kind of ruined it because we were at some venue and we left like a note on on their car on the car that they were caravanning that Patrick was in, and it said like, you know, dear Patrick, it's Love Magnin. We'd love to buy your vehicle. And Patrick started freaking out and panicking, and the holla dudes kind of laughed and kind of broke character but we were really yeah i should have won an oscar for the performance i you know i didn't laugh at all the whole time and he would he would ask me he'd be like who the hell is this fucking guy and he would start losing his mind and start panicking and i would just be like dude you're you know i, I feel like you're you know like you're losing your mind there's no such thing as magnan noble man like this is crazy but we were yeah we were we were ruthless that was a, that was a ruthless week or two just messing with patrick <laughs> poor guy yeah, I mean, like you, so like the next level, like the Facebook profile, like the that's that's like a great like tour prank. Like, I mean, I've never heard anything as like elaborate as that before. Yeah, I mean, you get bored, and then you're that's just insane. like, yeah. And he's also just you know, Patrick is a funny guy, and he's and he he's just like he's very responsible and very uh, serious. You know, he's a very serious man. So it's it was it was fun. It was fun while it lasted, but. But yeah, the bubble burst for sure. But uh, yeah, we still, I'll still get like beast, like blind CCs from like Gabe, where Gabe will mess with our other friends, and he'll still like keep the magnets thing going, and like email some of our other musician friends like some weird booking inquiries that make no sense. Like, hey, would you like to play on a boat in Greece? You know, and like it's just like I don't know. He'll, he'll still fuck with people, so you know, God God bless it. You know, magnet is still strong. You know. Right, yeah, his spirit lives on. He does, he does, he does. Yeah, um, so um, I just wanted to take a quick break here and dive into, I do this now with all of you. I call it the lightning round, just some fun little, I guess more personal stuff, I suppose. Um, so the first question I have, um, it was going back to our first interview. You mentioned that your influences are, um, you mentioned the Strokes and the Beatles. Um, what would you say is the best album and the best songs by each group? Ooh, I'd say, I'd say, I mean, I'd say probably Trying Your Luck and Is This It is probably the best album of the Strokes, even though I I, I listen to a bunch of others and, and, and I have a lot of like <clears throat> um, combating songs and opinions, but I feel like that just like is the sturdiest one. I, I just think there's a really good song, really good record. And Beatles, I'd probably say Revolver. And uh, oof, I don't know. I feel like I'm only sleeping. I think that's on that record. Something like that. Yeah, something like I feel like that's my like quick lightning round answers. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean that's that's definitely a lot of great songs in there that I like. Definitely, I'm only sleeping. I mean, I just I had a comp paper that I had to write and I wrote it about you know the significance of Revolver and like why it's so important. And I mean, I'm only sleeping is like definitely one of the most underrated Beatles songs out there. Revolver is definitely one of my favorite, like probably my favorite record ever. But like the guitar solo on there that's reversed. I mean, it's it's just so cool. Yeah, it's just it's just a it's a it's a it's sound it's a song that sounds sleepy and lackadaisical or whatever, and it's like proto psychedelic and it's not quite magical mystery tour you know like right. it's it's not like it's they're not they haven't delved into that 
whole psych thing yet. It's like it's almost there, which is kind of cool. It's not it's yeah. not there. Right. Yeah. Um, but for the Strokes, I don't know. I think is this it is definitely a great record. Um, Room on Fire is number two, but I just think like after that, it's just like they kind of dropped off. It's, yeah. It's like every I, I record. Oh, wait, sorry, no. oh, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. No, cut my you bad. Off. I interrupted you. You go first. <laughs> I was gonna say I have a lot of conversations with people. I think what turns people off about their other stuff is like, I feel like you can make a great record out of a compilation of like the, their last of, of their other records. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there was like the third one, first impressions or whatever, you know, I have a sweet spot for it. Cause I, you know, I, you know, we're similar age. So it came out when we were still young and it ha- but it's, you know, it's super compressed and like just an alt rock. It's an alternative radio rock album. You know what I mean? It's a super, super muscular, super whatever, but it still has bangers on it. And yeah, but I agree with you. I feel like the, it's hard they, they kind of cursed themselves, so they made these two kind of perfect, neatly packed, tight, kind of fuzzy, charming records, and then it's hard. Like, where do you go from there, you know? Right, yeah. It's like everything was almost, like, looming in the sh- It's like everything had to live up to Is This It because it was such a groundbreaking record. Like, there's a great video on YouTube by this YouTuber named Middle Eight. Um, he did it on, like, What Happened to the Strokes, and it's just like, everything like it's like everything just kind of seemed to loom in the shadow of is this it like i still think um like i said room on fire is awesome but like everything else it just seems to get because like they kind of built a name for themselves on like that lo-fi sound and just each record seems to be like increasing in like hi-fi sound you know what i'm saying right right and i and there's not you know like i get it you know i get i get you know like certain bands don't want to be lo-fi forever and and right. bands expand their stuff and also there's five there's five of them and you know i i think that I, from you know reading meet me in the bathroom and reading all that stuff you know like i guess having the autonomy of one songwriter writing everybody's parts i think started to get to some people so it's also like we're listening to i think a different band you know we were listening to the one band put out is this sitting room on fire? And that's a band of that's that are five dudes playing one guy's parts. You know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I think post room on fire, we're listening to a very democratic band, which is just different, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that honestly kind of ended up hurting them. Cause like Casablanca is just, he's a super talented musician and he kind of propelled them to the start of the, the spotlight. But now he's just, he's still having success even with his new band, the voids. Like they're still really good too. Definitely super underrated. Yeah, I, I get a lot of flack and shit for liking the boys, and I don't know why. Uh, they're good. Yeah, they're a great band. You know, they're a great band. I think they have, you know, like, I think people get, people also just don't, like, people will hear, like, one Void song, and they want, they want the, like, eighth note, chuggy strokes thing, and it's like, if you, if you just listen to a couple Void songs, you'll get what you want. I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I get a little frustrated, because I, 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 I think they're great, but yeah. Right. People... Yeah. People have this prejudice, I think, against the voids because it's just it's adjacent to the Strokes, and they also do a little bit of weird, a little bit of weird left turn stuff. Like they'll do some auto tune and some, some uh, you know, some like Berlin techno shit. But I, I think it's cool. It's, it's fun to listen to. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of like a more art rock project. But like I think I think definitely it's got a lot of like I think I don't know. I think I put I think leave it on my or leave it in my dreams is like one of my top ten songs of last year. It was like 
it's such a cool song. Great guitar lines. Yeah, and the fidelity and the the fidelity and the songwriting is also like the most strokesy thing that I think is you know out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, no, I I, I wholeheartedly agree with that for sure. Cool. Um, so moving on, next question now. Um, which artists have you been listening to like a lot of lately? Uh, Sparkle Horse. A lot of Sparkle Horse. Um, I it, it, it like there's something about. I mean, I don't know if you know the whole story of the, the, that guy, Mark Linkhouse and everything. Um, I don't. Who is he? It, so he's, yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, he, he or was, you know, he, he was like this songwriter in the 90s that was kind of like a musician's musician. And he just kind of wrote a lot of songs uh, that I think were kind of, um, like, I don't know. He, he made a <clears throat> record. He made records with uh, Dave Fridman, the guy who produced uh uh flaming lips and tame impala and a bunch of stuff and i feel like and he opened for uh uh radiohead i think on the like the benz or okay computer tour so he was kind of like this alt rock indie rock kind of uh kind of hero but never really broke huge mainstream and he yeah he made these great records that really intimate sounding his voice is like kind of like in a box kind of like in that strokesy way or kind of reminds me of like when the guy from Blur does it, where his voice is, you know, kind of in your face, sounds like it's like on a in a megaphone or something, and it, and yeah, it's just very very sad, alternative rock songs. Um, you know, Tom Waits guests on some of his stuff. PJ Harvey sings on oh, some no of his way. stuff. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, the last record he made is this record called "The Dark Night of the Soul," and uh, Danger Mouse produced it, and Julian Casablanca wow. sings sings on one of the tracks so it's yeah it's a he was a it's a posthumous record so it's like a lot of songs he wrote that then they got a lot of great singers to sing on and julian sings on one of them so yeah he's a he was a great songwriter he took his life unfortunately like in a really graphic awful way but he was he was a it's just a great great songwriter so i've been like down that rabbit hole because it's just a lot of a lot of good songs cool awesome um so I was I was going through your Spotify the other day and I was looking at your like playlist of like your favorite songs. Um, can you tell me a little bit about like why each of the songs is on that list? Um, do you want me to pull that up and like tell them to you or do you do you know? Yeah, yeah I, can, I can. You can try to pull it up. I'm on my computer here. I okay. See. Is it yeah. on? It's like my Boyos fave tune thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I lo like it's I I kind of condensed it. I mean like. <clears throat> I have this guy Gene Dawson, uh, uh, who's this new kind of bedroom pop. Uh, I don't even know. If, I feel like calling him bedroom pop's even kind of like a disservice. He's he's a lot of different stuff. There's like some hip hop trap vibes, and he, he, yeah, this he's on Terrible Records, this label I've worked with before, and he's incredible. Yeah, he just has this kind of. You know, he can vacillate between this kind of JPEG Mafia, Death Grips kind of deep web shit to this kind of really beautiful uh, guitar, almost Steve Lacey melodic stuff. And yeah, so that's why I have Gene Dawson and I have Emily Asina. She's an incredible songwriter. Um, she does a lot of vocals on Alex G's records, and um, but her song A Curse is just a beautiful song. 
and yeah, a bunch of these songs are just like stuff I listen to a lot, like uh, Nina Simone's Lilac Wine. I love her version. I love Jeff Buckley's version. I just think it's like an insanely written song. Like, I don't know how you write a song like that. Um, Intern by <clears throat> Angel Olsen is like, and it's just like an insane song. It kind of gives me chills every time I hear it. Um, and I love Dirty Beaches. True Blue is 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 like one of those. I, I, it samples. I forget what it samples, but it's it just sounds timeless. Um, women, if if for people who don't know women, they're kind of like the uh, precursor to Preoccupations. That band. It's like with a different singer, but mainly the same band. And that song Black Rice is really great. And um. Yeah, I have like some Deer Hunter on here. I have Sun Ra, who's incredible and broadcast. Definitely, yeah. And yes, yeah, some like Toro Moi early lo fi diddles. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Definitely a lot of like I was I was just listening to it the other day. But, like that, that Dirty Beaches song was definitely a really awesome one. I really like that one a lot. You're right. It definitely does sound timeless. Like it sounds like it might have been like a soul sample. Like it definitely sounds like it's got that kind of 60s vibe to it, you know, like kind of like. It I don't samples, know, kind of that wall of sound. It samples, uh, you might be, oh, it, you know why it has the wall of sound? It samples the Ronettes, that's why. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why. Okay. Yeah, right. So they're good, good year. Yeah, so it samples Phil Spector, so there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then like, you know, um, Tori Moi, definitely love him. Sun Ra's really cool too. Um. I think actually, if you're an MF Doom guy, Madlib actually sampled a couple of his uh, tracks on Madlib. Oh, the word. opening track. Oh, okay, word. Yeah, I love. I mean, I love. Really cool sample, definitely. That's awesome. Yeah, Sun Ra, I think, is one of the really like cool jazz funk kind of artists. Of- yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, he's. People always mention like Miles Davis and Coltrane, but I feel like right. Sun Sun Ra. If you're like wanna, if you really wanna like trip out and like listen to some stuff that's like really like out there but also beautiful and melodic and you know makes you feel a certain way i feel like sun Ra is, is, is the guy right yeah i mean he's out there producing some really trippy stuff i mean like you know like miles davis is out here playing the same three notes for nine minutes and it still sounds super timeless today but he's out here like with these crazy rhythms and like sonic changes i mean it's just it's outstanding and it still holds up today definitely yeah there's a there's actually a documentary um i'm trying to remember what it's called it's uh oh a joyful noise and it's it's this movie it's like a really a trans transcendent beautiful documentary about sun rock where he's just like it shows him performing composing and because he kind of you know i i don't i a lot of it's mythology but i think he believed that he was abducted by aliens when he was younger and so you can and i you know a lot of that can be attributed to mental illness or whatever but you can see it behind his eyes there's some sort of He's channeling something, something different, you know, something a little freaky and weird and from a different plane, you know. Right, yeah, that, that, that kind of almost reminds me of the story, kind of unrelated, I guess, but it kind of reminds me of, like, Brian Wilson. Was, if you've seen the documentary Love and Mercy, it's a great one. If you, or, no, it's not a documentary, it's a biopic. But oh, it's, a really, it's really great. I mean, it just kind of shows him struggling with mental illness and, like, how he can kind of create these amazing melodies and sounds and how he has all these ideas from his head and he's just like he's in like like going through all this stuff in his head i mean it's insane yeah no stuff like that is always really fascinating the the, the love and mercy is a, be- a great great kind of like um 
dramatized version. There's also I was watching this like Rocky Erickson one. There's like a lot of a lot of really brilliant people that had a lot of you know mental mental you know struggles, but made some really great great art. And Sun Ra, I think was the one who kind of, you know, it seemed like he almost embraced whatever he was going through because it's like, seems like there's some euphoria to his mental illness because he'll be, you know, he'll be doing this spoken word and he'll, his eyes is rolling in the back, or rolling in the back of his head and you're watching it and you're kind of like, whoa, this guy is on some other, on some other plane, man. But yeah, right, yeah. pretty crazy. Cool. Um, so the last one here in the light, I have just a few more questions, but, um, so you are on Danger Collective Records and, you know, guys like Surf Curse, Slow Hollows, French Vanilla, bands like that. But, like, who would you say is, like, your favorite band that's also on your record label? Ooh, that's hard. I mean, I, I it vacillates. It's, like, a mood thing. Because um, I don't really, like, it, it's hard for me to say favorite bands in general. Like, I, I'd i be really, I'd also be really, like, uh, it, it's also, like, there's a lot of personal biases because like i you know i i've helped record a little bit of current joys i produced like that like record by mama um and i helped help and i produced uh brutus the eighth and i think you know brutus the eighth and mama you know regardless of the stuff they recorded with me they have new they have newer better slicker sounding recordings that are amazing so i i don't know i think brutus and the eighth and mama are great like mama is more for when i'm like into this kind of like granddaddy uh you know pavementy mood and brutus is when i want kind of like this industrial thing and current joys you never fails to kind of make you feel like this nostalgia um and i really love gap girls uh jacob rubeck from surfers's project it's like really my friend nick records it and it's just like a beautiful i don't know it's really cinematic it's like that his last record makes you feel like you're like if you listen to it all the way through. It's like almost like you're in like a neon dream or something. Um, so yeah, it's it just depends, man. It depends on what mood I'm in and how long my drive is and if I'm stoned or you know like whatever, you know, mood based. Okay. Um. So just um getting into the last couple questions here. So I know that you've been posting all of your like old music videos on social media recently, but um the video for Addicts actually had um the Seinfeld star Jason Alexander who played Costanza. Um, but how did you get that opportunity in the first place? Yeah. So um my dad is a is a like comedy writer in LA and like kind of during the during the nineties when they like when Jason Alexander was kind of starting out and when my dad was starting out, they kind of were just pals and, and were, you know, making, trying to just make names for themselves. And Jason got Seinfeld and, and they always stayed in touch and always stayed pals and, and, and help each other out with things throughout, throughout life. And so I always had Jason kind of just as like a, you know, it sounds very LA nepotismy, which it is. But you know, like I have, I have this really cool uncle figure that's very funny and and iconic. And I weirdly, you know, don't haven't watched a lot of Seinfeld. Um, uh, I've watched a lot of Curb, but I, I just, you know, it just feels weird to watch Seinfeld because it's someone I know and grew up with. But like, he, yeah, I, 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 I like just was sitting with my friends one day, and I had just seen Jason, and he was like, you know 
talking to me and he was he was just saying you know like if you want like I, he had heard some of my new stuff and it was just said you know if you want me to help direct or anything with a new video uh i'm free and i he was just he did something on broadway and he was just kind of had free time and was willing to help and i told him i was like yeah i would love to i just want to have like a good enough idea to warrant you being in it so it doesn't seem like just like this random kid just got you know just got you know got this family friend who's freaking george costanza to be in this video right so i went to my went back to my house I was living at the time and my friends were over who are these video directors and we kind of sat down and i was like and i was like you know uh, jason's down to do like direct a video or help or just do do whatever you know and he's he's really like he's 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 willing to give us his time but i want it to be cool or i don't want to do it at all and we kind of brainstormed that I decided that idea of like this boy band and and i was like it'd be kind of funny if he played an older me and and then i pitched the idea to him and he was like i'm so down we got to do this and so it became like a kind of just passion project for all of us like jason's you know he he did he was on set more than i was like i i came and did like a like an hour or two of just like like i chased him around and i had to like pretend to choke him and he had to smash like a bunch of fake glass on my head and then i i had to i had to leave and go play a show like in san diego or something and we were just shooting at like a friend i got a at one of the guy around like one of the our label uh owners houses uh who he let us like use the house for a shoot and i jason stayed for the rest of the day and like did the whole shoot and was like apparently like co-directing and helping out and was super gracious and so yeah he was just he just the best dude and he was just super like game for the idea and we just thought like we were just like there's no you know like i don't you don't want to just use the celebrity for the celebrity or the name for the name you know that's just that's lame and that's such an la thing but once we had that idea it was kind of like what like we have to use jason he's he's so he, this is the perfect role for him you know what i mean <coughs> right yeah absolutely and i mean like i think your case like you know but like you know he's at least like you're he's not using it for like kind of to get a friend and like helping out it's not like he's like in it for something like you seem like he seemed to be like super passionate about it super into it and like you know that was really that's really an awesome opportunity totally and i know there's like you know there's plenty of people in the world that you know don't have the opportunity to have someone from a major television show help them out with their music video but it just it felt like too too good of an opportunity to pass up especially when we had this concept and we in it especially when he was down you know what i mean so right um so like it seems to me like you know the music videos are definitely a huge part of kind of your image as boyo like what fuels your interest to kind of make such elaborate videos um, I mean, I love film. I used to write scripts as a kid, like when I was really young. Um, I was super into uh, just filmmaking, equal, like pretty equally to music, and it kind of dwindled and faded because I realized, you know, with film and with screenwriting, you have to really be patient and, like, you know, ultimately you're reliant on whoever's bringing the project to fruition to not fuck it up whereas like i could do stuff musically pretty autonomously and i could you know i could sit and 
record a whole song and I could play the drums and the bass and the guitar and the vocals and I didn't have to really rely on people. Um, you know, that's kind of sh uh, shitty as it sounds. It's just like screenwriting just felt so... I, you know, I, I, wrote, I wrote a couple of actually feature-length kind of not great scripts that were kind of like these, you know, caper things about like, you know, fish out of water kid, gets in trouble with the mob and, you know, that kind of deal. But then then it's like, all right, I have this script, but now what? You know, and I'm such an instant gratification person. Like, you know, the, the perfect world for me would be like it, it's I'm on a set the next day. You know what I mean? So I, I just I need to I need to. I need to be able to kind of bring whatever I'm making to fruition. But like music videos are kind of a fun short form version of that. Cause it's not like a short film where you kind of have to sell someone on watching it and go like, Hey, it's a short film. It's not, it's, you know, it's like a novella, you know, like watch it, you know, it has a purpose. It has a meaning. It has a thesis. It's like with a music video, you know, at least, you know, if someone's, half-heartedly watching it they can at least bob their head or dance to it or whatever and i also have such good you know director friends that if i have like a little concept or an idea they'll run with it and make it a million times better they'll storyboard it they'll draft it i don't have to do half of that shit so it's like it just it just kind of gets my yayas out um in that in that respect you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, I, I, I kind of, I, I tried my hand at screenwriting, like, I think, like, a year ago or something, like, I wrote, like, a really crappy, like, 30-page screenplay in, like, a week, but, like, like, I was, I did a course on it, but, like, I mean, it was, it was fun. I mean, it's not, like, like, filming, definitely, to your point, it's, it's a lot less instant gratification. I mean, it's a process, right? You've got to, like, have a first draft, and it's got to get revised, and then you go on set, and, you know, more things could change, and I mean, I guess that's kind of the fun of recording, and then, you know, kind of translating it into a music video, because you can, like, have a, a kind of a concise and, like, clear narrative told in about four or five minutes. Right, and you, and, and also, like, you know, you're, you're, with recording, you can control a little bit, like, or a lot of it, like, if you're recording alone, and you, get to a point where you feel proficient enough with most instruments, you're not, you don't feel like you're making as much of a compromise. And that, that's been some of my problem, you know, it's like, it just, if like, I, I'm fine making compromises creatively if I'm really working with someone I believe in, but I, I don't know. I feel like with film, I've just seen it with my dad and with people that write, you know, they, their script just becomes a, another beast that they didn't even intend it to be. Whereas with recording, if you're doing it on your own, you know, you can really mix it and shape it to be the exact thing you heard in your head or pretty close, which is like a really, really, really freaking cool medium. So that's why by the time I was like 15, I was like, you know what, I'm going to probably just like start focusing more on making records than making screenplays, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, and I, I guess I've seen you, you've um been recording some new stuff right now but um can you tell me a little bit more about what it's going to have in store yeah um i mean i have to be honest i haven't been able to write like uh like poppy funky stuff um it's been like pretty difficult for me like to a lot of like my most like successful you know if you call them that like the most like like sing along live people know them streaming they do well those kind of songs that i, that I have are <clears throat> these kind of like funky danceable uh 
you know, semi-ironic songs that that I you know I I do enjoy playing. But like, I don't know. This new record's a lot darker, I think, and it's a lot more honest, and it's a lot uh, it comes from a different place, I think, than those tunes. And um, yeah, and I finally have someone else. Uh, this guy Chad Copeland, who's mixed, uh, he's mixed like uh, some um, some of uh, actually he mixed all of all of Broncho's this band Broncho's records, and he mixed um, some of um, Stupion, like he mixed Carrie and Lowell and a bunch of cool stuff. So I have this guy kind of helping me mix a little bit of the record, so it'll sound a little beefier, I think, and different, and not just like I made another, you know like a millionth basement record you know what i mean I th- hopefully it'll have something a bite to it a, a emotional kick to it that's different you know cool yeah absolutely i mean he seems to have a pretty big resume there so i think that will obviously lead to some more fun things in the future definitely um and yeah you mentioned broncho for a second there congrats on the the, the short little cali tour you're doing with them. thank you be, seems like a lot of fun yeah, yeah, they're uh, one of the fans of all time, like, uh, like just ever. So I'm kind of like in disbelief right now. Wow, yeah. Definitely, that's awesome. Like, definitely, like, playing with some of your influences and whatever. I mean, that's always super cool. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's always, I mean, we, I got to open for them once before, and it was just like, it was a complete, complete dream. You know what I mean? So I, I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really, really stoked to work with their near and to, open for them is going to be yeah it's a whole a whole new world for sure awesome um so last question i have for you um what do you want people out there listening to know about boyo like if they have never listened to your music before what should they know about you and your music i would say you know i feel like too much context hurts stuff i feel like mystery sometimes is 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 a is a virtue so i would say um, you know, you know. I guess what should they know? I guess know that it's hopefully coming from a even the funkier stuff where I'm, you know, jo- you know, joking around and wearing silly outfits and and uh, you know, the videos where I'm being ironic. You know, it all comes from this, you know, genuine place. And I'm, you know, it's not a it's not a boyo isn't a joke, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of serious songs and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of I think emotional merit to it, I guess. But you know, if if anything, I hope people just go into it pretty blindly without a lot of lyrical or any context and just like go like, oh, this is a good song, you know? Because that's 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 always the best, you know? Like cause I you know we talk about the strokes, and we talk about a lot of stuff. Like I, I remember, you know, it's cool it's really cool when you just hear a song and it becomes like your best friend and then you, then you see what they look like and then you see what, you know, but it's, it's, it's always really, really special when the song is your first impression and that's kind of the arbiter for your interest. And, you know, you don't have to be a completist, you don't have to listen to all my records, you don't have to do that. It's just, you know, hopefully one of the songs affects you in some sort of way. I hope. All right. Thanks so much, Rob. Um, I'll have this edited in a couple of days and I'll send it over to you. Thanks so much again. Appreciate it, man. You're always an awesome Yeah, man. Guy. Of course. Thank yeah. you, man. Yeah, sure thing. All right. I'll see you soon, man. Take it easy. Later, bro. Thank you again for choosing the Baz Reviews Bazcast as the best place to discover 
Apple Music. We are available on any streaming platform that you prefer. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you want to listen, we are there. Please drop a nice review. I would love to hear some awesome feedback. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.